You guys can have a seat. Thank you. All right. Well, welcome once again. Uh, so every once in a while, I like to go golfing. And, and, and one of the things, if we have any golfers out there, uh, I know the men, I think, went last week when I was gone. I wish I could have gone. Uh, but one of the things about golfing is I always say you have to give all your excuses before the round begins. So you have to say like, oh, you know, I have a hurt shoulder. I haven't done this in eight years, whatever it is. But you have to lay it all on the table before you start. You can't be like, well, I missed that shot because. You, you track with me? So, so that was one of my rules. So I got to tell you, I was in Belize last week. And uh, we landed about 1030 last night in San Diego. And my phone had a text thread telling us that uh, the person scheduled to speak this morning, who's Dale, uh, was stuck in Colorado. And, and so someone's got to figure it out. And all the other staff are away this week, except for Tim, who's on the teaching team, but he's leading worship. So I have a bum shoulder, and you, you, you tracking with me? So <laughs> 6.30 this morning, started sermon prep. So we'll see what God does. We welcome the Holy Spirit here. It's his job, right? <laughs> So let's pray. <laughs> God, we thank you so much, and, and I pray that today would be your words to us. As always, Lord, let, let this be your spirit in and through me, and in and through and among us, Lord. And so every one of us here needs to hear something. So would you meet us in this place? And maybe some are discouraged. Maybe some are here filled with joy. Maybe some are filled with guilt, maybe shame. But whatever it is, Lord, would you meet us in this place and help us see more of who you are? today and encounter you. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 20. We're continuing our series called Path of Life. And I have a, a question for you. I want you to answer with the people next to you. And, and it won't take long, but I want you to think back to childhood. I don't want you to think of like, you know, if, if you're a grown adult, not in the last year, but for childhood, was there ever something that you stole from someone else and, and that you can remember. So, for example, I have these, when I was a kid, Star Wars action figures were really cool. And, and I still, at my grandparents' house, have Greedo. Any of you Star Wars fans? I have, you know, all right, good. Yeah, I'm, we're like the same generation. Um, <laughs> I have the Greedo action figures, which is, which is actually Mike Watts's Greedo. But I still have it 35 years later. And, and Play with it every time I go home with my parents. No, I, so, so that was Mike's, but I really, he had all the other ones. He didn't need Greedo, so I borrowed him for the rest of my life. So, okay, that's, that's an example. Turn with someone next to you and just say, was there ever something that you know you took that wasn't yours? Just go ahead. You got 10 seconds. Confess. No, we're not holding you account. We're not telling the police. Just say it. <laughs> Okay, some of you need some more time, it looks like. <laughs> if you need to continue this after the service to really confess, then, then we can work on it. But. So you might guess what today's verse is as we go through what we call the Ten Commandments. We're in Ch Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Here is the verse for today. You shall not steal. Yeah, you shall not steal. Actually, in Hebrew, it's just two words. So basically, don't steal. 
that's, that's what the verse is for today. And uh, since I started prepping at 6.30 a.m. Uh, this morning, that's all I have for you. Let's go ahead and prepare. <laughs> so don't steal is the verse. Now, a lot of us would think of, okay, that sounds pretty obvious. I get it. That's probably a bad thing to do, so I'm not going to steal. I, I get it. But we want to, again, ask the question of why is this in that, why is this elevated to this this thing that we call the Ten Commandments, that God said, here's my covenant with my people, and, and if God's going to come up with like ten important things to say this is part of the kingdom of God, why is this in there? And that's the question we want to ask for today, because that sounds almost too obvious. And we want to remember, though, this, we're calling this series the Path of Life, because the Ten Commandments aren't designed to be the path to life. It's not if you do these ten things, you can earn favor with God. It's not if you do these 10 things, then somehow, then you're going to start to experience life. But it's actually, God is saying, because I've already invited you into a life in my kingdom, I now, this is the covenant he made with Israel and said, this is what it looks like. This is the path of life. This is what life in my kingdom, these are the principles that represent who I am. So even today, for us in Christ, it's we are invited in. Jesus already died on the cross for your sins. You already have forgiveness offered to you. And many in this room have received that. And once you receive that, we have life from Jesus. But now the question is, what does it look like to walk in that life? And that's what these, uh, this covenant was intended to be for Israel. And we need to remember, at the time, they had just been delivered out of hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. So most of the Israelites didn't even know who this God was, this God we call Yahweh, this creator God, the God of Israel. Most of them didn't even know who he was. So how would they know what life in his kingdom looked like? The only kingdom they knew was the kingdom of Pharaoh in Egypt. And in the kingdom of Pharaoh was all these lifestyles and, and principles that were counter to the kingdom of God. So now this covenant is saying you are going to be set apart and look different if you live these ways. And so that's where this is found. So we get to this command here, and it says don't steal. And I was thinking about that. I, I, I read a story about this small town, and in this small town there was this mom. She had two young boys. And they were known for always getting into trouble. When I heard this story, I was like, oh, it might be me and my brother. The, the story might be about them. And in fact, uh, everyone knew that these kids were always getting into trouble. And in the town, uh, someone had something stolen from their garage, out of their garage, like a bike or something. And the whole town was wondering, I wonder who stole this? And all the suspicion went to these two boys. In fact, even the boy's mother said, yeah, I probably know who did it. She assumed it was her kids. So what she decided to do, no one t said no one would confess. So she made an appointment with the town pastor, and each of the boys would have to individually go in and speak to the pastor. So when the first one went in by himself to talk to the pastor, the pastor looked at him, and he was this giant, just big guy, tall guy, booming voice, and he said, where is God? Do you know where God is? And the boy kind of looked at him like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he said, do you know where God is? And the boy just what are you talking about? And then finally he stood up, looming over this little boy, and said, do you know where God is? And the, the boy was so frightened, he got up and he ran, he went home, went up into his room, slammed the door shut with his brother in there, 
And his brother said, what happened? He said, oh man, we are in so much trouble. They can't find God and they think we took him. <laughs> that was my 6.30 a.m. story for this sermon. So, you know. <laughs> so sometimes when we think of stealing, we reduce it down to just taking stuff. And what I want to look at today is what is the principle behind this and why is this in there? Do not steal. And what does it mean for us today? Where my guess is most of us don't actually steal stuff from others. So what does this mean for us today? So let's jump in. Why is this command a part of God's heart? Why is this against the heart or the kingdom of God? And here's a first thought for you. Because stealing, it's about the dignity of others. That's a first thought for today. When it's do not steal, it's because it's about the dignity of others. Remember, throughout Scripture, there's this important principle that we need to think about. It's called the Imago Dei. It's the image of God. And it says that we are made in God's image, that we bear the image of God. And so, therefore, each person matters to God. Even people who are, con are living contrary to His ways. Even people who are against God, they matter to God. And so when you think of taking from others, you're taking from somebody who matters to God. You're, you're violating the image of God in them. You're devaluing that image. So at the heart of God, this is about dignity of each person. It's about saying that God has made you and you're important and what you have matters. And so therefore, why would I play the position of God and decide who gets what and take it from me? Even in the case of Robin Hood, right? Robin Hood steals from the rich and gives to the poor. That's a feel-good story, isn't it? And in fact, that, that's something that we wanted. We like that idea so much, we made it a, a stock trading app called Robin Hood. Feels like we can steal from the rich and give it to the poor with GameStop stock. <laughs> stock. It feels like a good idea. But even that is taking the dignity, the rich... Even those contrary to God matter to him. And we're taking from them. Even someone evil matters to God. And we become in a position where we say, I determine your worth. If I say you have too much, I'll take from you. That's God saying, no, this is my kingdom, not yours. Let me determine who has what. So it's about the dignity of God in others. Notice this. I want to show you in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. It says this. This is even for those who steal. This is even for the thief. Check this out. Do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger. So even here, God's saying, even the thief has dignity. Don't despise him if he steals to satisfy his hunger. But when he is found out, he must repay that seven times. So God's saying, even the thief matters to me. So don't despise them if they stole to satisfy their hunger. Understand who they are and they matter. Now, there's going to be consequences for their actions when they're found out, but even everybody matters in the eyes of God. So the first thing when we think about why does this command, why is this important to God? It's because it's about the dignity of others. Second thing, why it's important to God is it's about the character of God. Do not steal. Actually, when we live that way, we're representing the character of God. We're understanding that God is the, 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 our provider. In fact, I'd say this way. Your possessions represent God's provision in your life. 
What you possess represents what God provides. Now, some of you, God provides a lot more than he does to others. But what you have represents God's provision in your life. And that doesn't mean that you can then just sit around, do nothing your whole life, and God will provide for you. Well, he might, but it's not all that likely. Even in Genesis chapter 30, there's a story about Jacob, who later has his name changed to Israel, founder of the nation of the Israelites, who's working as a shepherd and for his father-in-law named Laban. And as he tended the flocks of both Laban's uh, flock and his own, they both grew and became very abundant, and Jacob's grew exceedingly abundant and healthy in all of its flocks. And there's a point in there when Jacob is speaking, and he says, everything I have, God has blessed me with, and I did not steal anything from him. So the possessions I have and have built up have been provided to me, to me by God. Now, they've been provided in this case with Jacob through his diligence and his hard work, but he recognized that God provided. Now, he had an opportunity to steal and make his flock bigger. He could have easily done it because he was over both flocks. But in this case, he actually calls out and says, I didn't steal. I didn't take anything from you. I trusted what God would provide. So it, when we think about this, about the character of God, the way we view our possessions represent how we view God's provision in our life. And there's a couple of points I want you to think about under that subcategory of God. Your possessions are God's provision. The first one is this. When we see our possessions as God's provision, we trust that what he gives us is enough. We trust what God gives is enough. What we have is enough. Does that mean that you can never work hard to get more? No, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that we develop a heart that is content, that we start to learn that what God gives us is enough. It's enough to survive. Now, we're going to get, we're going to talk a little bit about poverty in a moment, but what God gives us is enough. Let me show you Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. Uh, this is one of my favorite prayers in all of Scripture. Check out this prayer. He says, Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor, or riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, so that I will not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And that I will not be impoverished and steal and profane the name of my God. Isn't that a real prayer? Isn't that a really just like, God, just give me enough that I always have it. I don't want to be too poor that I don't have enough, and I don't want to be so rich that I forget about you. I love that prayer. I, I prayed that prayer. Sometimes I regret it, you know, when I play the lottery, like, Lord, wow, I shouldn't have prayed that prayer. Don't give me too much. But I think there's something in that that he says, I don't want you to forget about me. I don't want you to think it's all about you. It's what I provide. And so this prayer is just very much about, God, help me be content with what I have. And notice what he says. Give me the food that is my portion. He didn't say, give me the food that's my neighbor's portion. Don't give me the food that is, is for those who have the houses on Neptune. Some of you are in those houses. It's give me my portion. And if your house is on Neptune, your prayer is thank you, Lord, for my portion. Give me my portion. Help me not forget about you. Help me remember you, even in what you have blessed me with. And so when we think about the character of God, and we start to demonstrate that we trust that what he gives enough in the kingdom, we're showing that we believe our king cares and he can provide. Tracking with me on that? 
Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Here's the next thought. It says this, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is, a, is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So again, when we don't trust that what God gives enough, sometimes the pursuit... Now, no, notice what he says. He's saying money is evil? Is wealth evil? No, it's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love for money, the, the thing that says, this is what will make me significant. This is what will give me what I need. That love, that pursuit was, is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, some of you have great wealth. That is the provision that God has given you. Some of you have much less. That is what God has given you. But it is the pursuit for more and the love for more that can get us to wander from our faith in God. How appropriate that this morning we're talking about this and we just ha have a team who now some of them are here, so that's good, who were uh, in uh, Belize this week. And again, one of the lessons that we learn almost every time we go to a developing nation is that you see people who live off of much less. In fact, in Belize, a few hundred dollars a month to survive. And you see families who have so little, yet the, the joy in their heart is so great. And even one of the questions many of us have when we send teams on a mission trip Maybe you've thought this. I have family who will say this. Is why don't you just take all the money that it costs to send your team down there and just give it to the people in Belize? Won't that do more good? That's a thought. That makes sense. That's spoken like a true Westerner, isn't it? This is the efficient way to do it. And you're right. But when we're there, even this last week, we talked to the pastor who lives a very humble life, simple life. He said, I'm so grateful that you raised money and you spent your own money to travel here and to bless us with your presence. And you touched the lives of our kids and we got to see some kids accept Christ for the first time. We got to see families say, we're gonna start attending church who never did before because of the work that our high schoolers did as they went down, our college age kids went as they went down. See, because there they're not saying, well, you guys have so much more. Why don't you just keep, give us more money? They said, thank you that you used the portion God gave you to bless us. We're so grateful and overwhelming, or overwhelmed with joy. So it's about trusting that what God gives enough. Your portion is enough. So that's one principle when we think about the character of God. We're showing that we trust, uh, we can show that we trust him by trusting what he gives enough. Another one is this, when our priorities are, are based on God's kingdom. We set our priorities on God's kingdom. When we think of our possessions or his provision, it means that we set our priorities based on his kingdom and not our own. I have a tendency to think my kingdom would work really well. Anyone with me on that? You, you, anyone with me thinking, well, you think Ryan's kingdom would work well? Thanks, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when, I, when I think of, I can start complaining about stuff, I can, I can and I always have this solution, and my solution always works. It, it just, if people would listen to me, life would go much smoother. I have a tendency to think the kingdom of Ryan is the most efficient, well-functioning, fair kingdom in the world. And that's just kind of, it's a natural de default. But when I, that's, I start thinking that the, the kingdom is me, the priorities are mine, and not God's kingdom. And it takes us away from trusting that God's possessions 
are his provision, that that's enough for us. Look at this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. Here's, Paul is writing to Philippian church, and he said, this is a heart that he developed. He said, I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. I'm so glad Paul included that, that he didn't just say, hey, listen, I've learned how to live in poverty, so you should learn from me. But he actually says, I know how to live with very little, but I also know what it's like to live in prosperity. Paul was very wealthy at one point. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and of going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's great. Paul's saying, hey, wherever situation I'm in, I've found the secret to contentment, and it is found when my priorities are rooted in Christ and in Christ alone, not in my stuff. So I don't need to take from others. I don't need to say, hey, you have too much, so I need more. I say, God, whatever you've given is enough. My life is based on your priority. I had a friend, uh, I moved around a lot. I was, uh, my dad was in the military, and I remember when we moved to St. Louis, I lived there a couple months, and then a new kid moved in town from Southern California. And he, uh, the first day I met him, he was driving through the neighborhood in a cherry red Vespa scooter. You know, those things, you know, like a Vespa. He, and he pulled up, and, and yeah, we were like 12 years old, and he had a motorized scooter, which was pretty cool, because my mode of transportation, my parents told me, is we bought you a skateboard, you can find your way where you want to go. So here a kid showed up in a gas-powered Vespa, which, no, it probably wasn't legal, but it was super cool. Soon I learned that not only did Tony Triola have this cool red Vespa, but he had two of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and every kid on the block in junior high is like, I have a new best friend. <laughs> we also found out that Tony had a Nintendo, the original Nintendo. No one else had that at the time. Yeah, not Nintendo 64. We're talking Nintendo 16. It was like the original. Still the best one. Anyone with me on that? Amen? Come on, my people. Where are you? So Tony was one that all of a sudden he had all this cool stuff, and everyone wanted to be his friend. Now, it turned out that Tony eventually became one of my best friends. In, in fact, some years ago, uh, I rode with my, friend, my kids out to St. Louis. We watched a baseball game, and Tony met us with his daughter. It was so fun to be there. But that relationship started because of this envy of his stuff and say, whatever he has, I want. I like his portion more. And it could be the root of a really unhealthy relationship. Fortunately, that changed in our lives, and it wasn't the foundation. But it's so easy to want what everyone else has. But Paul's saying, no, the secret of contentment, Christ is enough for you. Your significance are in Christ. Your priorities are in Christ, not in your stuff. Look what Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. This is back to the passage we looked at earlier. He says, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Check that out. He didn't say command the rich to sell everything and get rid of it because that makes you evil. He says, don't put your hope in your riches. Don't base your priorities, your life on your riches. Base it on your hope in God, who provides these things for your enjoyment, who gives you the life you have. Put your hope in Him and command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. I love that Paul gets to this point. 
And he says, your portion might be a great portion. Your plate might be overwhelming with food. And some might have very little. So if you're rich, if you have the abundance, be rich in good deeds. Be rich in generosity. Don't forget about the poor. See, there's this biblical responsibility, and it shows up hundreds of times in the Old Testament and New Testament. I said, if God's provided you with much, make sure that you're caring for those who have less. That's how God provides. So there are some who have less. That's why as a church, we're so committed to serving in our community. We serve at the CRC. We have a single mom's ministry for some of those moms who are in need. We like to step in for one another, even through COVID, that we were able to meet needs of one another here in this room and outside our walls. We're committed to that because God has richly blessed us. In so many ways. So he says, those of you whose plates are full, don't forget about those who have less. And it's so easy, so easy, to just focus in on what we have. But when we're generous, we're actually helping those who are poor to not have to turn to stealing, to not have to turn to envy in their heart. We're actually helping them walk in kingdom principles by demonstrating that God will provide their life. I can say that our life, I I feel richly blessed. I feel like these verses are for me. I don't have the house on Neptune, but we have a house. We feel so blessed. We have everything we could ever need. I can't believe, we live in Southern California, actually in San Diego. Don't tell Orange and and LA County that it's better down here. Keep, stay up there. But, except for Moses, Laura, we're glad you're here from Orange County. But, (laughs) everyone else, stay there. I mean, we live really on the best place on the planet, right? I mean, even today, we had Tropical Storm Adam, the first one of the year, who, who it came through. No one got that? Okay, never mind. Were you, were you, you're the 10, 30, 10 o'clock service. Were you sleeping this morning? We had a rainstorm today. Okay, anyway. Thought it was funny. All right. But we have so much. We have so much. And I just keep being reminded of what, the times in my life when we had little. I know that even Sarah and I had times we were church planting and just had very little, nothing to spare, working multiple jobs. And at the right moment, someone would show up with a box of food or a check or a handful of cash. I'm like, where did this come from? How did they know? And what God did is he used others that he had been providing for to help provide for us. It was such a blessing. So our priorities are shaped when we seek our possessions are part of God's provision. It helps us shape and set our priorities on kingdom principles. So how do we respond? What is our response? I want to invite the worship team to start making their way up as we respond. And we could talk a lot longer. We're not going to about this this parable of the talent. Some have little, some have more. Why does God do that? It's a deeper study. Why would someone born in Belize have so little and someone born in America just naturally has more? We don't know. But we know that it's God's portion given to us. So what does this mean for us here today? Here's a couple thoughts. One is this. Trust that your identity, your security, and your significance is in Christ. I know that sounds Sunday School 101, right? But your stuff isn't what gives you security. It can be gone in a moment. Your stuff isn't what makes you significant. It's part of who you are, but that's not what gives you your significance. Significance. Your identity isn't in that stuff. 
It's in Christ. So trust that who you are and what you have is in Christ. And your stuff is just what he's giving to you. So the second thing is this. Be generous as God blesses you. When, when we're generous as God blessed to the extent that God blesses us, this allows others to experience God's provision. So we trust that who we are is because of Christ, and then we are generous with who we are, and that becomes a blessing and the provision for others. It's a challenge for us as a church. That's what life in the kingdom's about. That's why we don't need to take from others, because we have a king who knows what you need, who cares about you, and that you matter, and other people matter in the image of God. So let's stand and pray and respond with a song just to return our hearts to the Lord. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the reminder that, Lord, you are enough for us, that you provide our significance, you provide our hope, our identity. And God, I thank you for the provision in our lives. So many of us in here in this room would consider ourselves rich. We thank you for that. And Lord, there's some in this room who might feel impoverished. I pray that we be a community that cares and who lifts them up. And Lord, we pray that they would always have enough. And God, so let us be a community of faith with all those different size plates who love each other well, who represent your kingdom and entrust you as the king. We thank you and give you this time.